I got to say, it's just, it's so good and getting better and better just being able to be together a little bit. So um, I guess if you're here with us today, thank you. Welcome home. If you're online still, we have a ton online still watching and participating in that. We're glad, I'm looking at the camera. I don't know which one it's at. We're glad you're joining us. Um, uh, I think there might even be some still outside, although it's a little toasty outside today. But uh, for all of you, welcome. We're just excited. It's a good thing. We, um, we're, we're trying to transition in a way that demonstrates love. Um, nothing is being done out of fear. We're, we don't have to fear. But we want to do things out of love, and so we're kind of watching what's happening and trying to maintain you know the correct guidelines and and it's it's been a fun journey because every five minutes it changes and so i'm gonna ask for forgiveness instead of permission i think is what we're gonna do anyhow we started a new series last week and it was uh, what happens next and you remember what i said was i don't know what's happening next i believe though that god does and so this series that we're starting this week, um, you, here, here's the title for this week. So are you ready for this? We're all going to get tested. Now, in light of everything that's happening, we're not going to line up and swab your mouth and, you know, or, or do the, the thing on the head, but we're all going to get tested. Last week, when we introduced this, we opened this series with what I think is kind of a bold declaration. Remember, we said that what's happening around us in the world, all the weirdness, craziness, the bad stuff that's happening, is exactly what the Bible says would be happening during this current age, and that it would all lead up to the return of Jesus to ultimately fix everything that's currently broken. It's not a surprise. The stuff we're seeing all over the world, it's, Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. And he said it 2,000 years ago. And so remember last week our, when we talked about Romans 8 and in the message paraphrase, it starts with the word meanwhile. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, and that's what we talked about last week. Well, in the meanwhile, while everything is going on, God is growing you through hard seasons. That's what he does. And so the word meanwhile, I know for me, you know, I, I usually think of, you know, meanwhile back at the ranch, but I think of um, comic books. Because when I was a kid, I, I, I liked comic books, and I would read comic books, and there would always be, you know, like the main character. And what would happen in a comic book um, often is they'd be going through the story, and then they would kind of tell you what's, what's happening or what's going to happen. But then they would say, meanwhile, and then they'd go back to the middle of the story and pick up with the person that's the main character of the story. And so in this context, I would say this, Jesus wins in the end. Meanwhile, and that's where we're at right now. For the rest of this series, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the book of James together, a favorite book of mine. Um, we're going to do it kind of one passage at a time because I believe God wants to build um, and strengthen some things in your life that are going to require time. It's not like a microwave thing that, you know, you push a button, flip a switch, and it's done. It takes time. And that's what that, the book is going to talk about. It is inevitable that hard seasons are going to come in life. I, I tell people this all the time. They, they talk to me about the situation that they're in. I said, you realize um, you're either, every single person part of this service today, online, here, whatever, you're either going into a difficult time, about to go into a difficult time, 
or you're in a difficult time, or you're coming out of a difficult time, because that's where everybody is at. If you're coming out of one, guess what? You're also getting ready to go back into one. You know what that's called, right? Life. That's life. That's where we're all at. It is inevitable that those, those difficult things will come. Here's the big challenge. Like the big application, the big thought, the big point for today. Don't waste the hard seasons. You're going to have them probably going through some right now. Don't waste the hard seasons. I'm hoping we're starting to come out of this current rough season a little bit. But as I look around the country, um, it shows us that it may not quite happen as quickly as we thought it was going to. So meanwhile, don't waste the hard seasons. That's easy to say. So here's the yes, but how. Actually, James, the book of James is the yes, but how. Here's how we can not waste the hard seasons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, I'm going to just make a few comments, but I want to read the first eight verses from James chapter 1. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stop there for just a second, just because I, I, some of you know this, some of you don't. James, when he says he's a servant, that's a bond servant, like a slave. He's a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts those two things together. You realize that the James who wrote this book is James, the brother of Jesus. Actually, half-brother. Same mom, different dad. Okay? James's dad is Joseph. Jesus' dad is God. Okay? But same, same mom. All right? Um, and what he's doing here, and like the other brothers and sisters, he didn't believe as Jesus was on this earth. Even as he was doing his miracles, he was, even as he was preaching, the brothers and sisters really... And, and I, it's easy for us to say, what? It's like... If you have a brother or sister, you know. You know what it's like growing up. But after Jesus died and rose again, it's like, really can't argue with that. He died exactly as he said. He rose again. We watched him ascend up to heaven. He said he's coming back. James and the other ones believed. James actually became a, a big leader in the church. Um, and, and it's interesting that he doesn't claim any of this here. He could have said, you know, I'm uh, one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Better listen to me. He could have said, I'm James, as in Jesus' brother. You should listen to me. His reputation is such by now that all he has to do is say James. But I think it's interesting here when he says, the, the, the way that he frames the sentence, when he says a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, like full title and name, that when it says Lord Jesus Christ, it's actually walking you through with that name. The fact that Jesus existed before all eternity and, and, and was part of the creation of the world. And at one point in history, he became a man and lived and died and rose again and went to heaven and he's coming back again. That's all wrapped up in that name. And what James is doing here is he's showing us that he sees his half-brother as co-equal with God. That's huge. So he says, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. You understand his audience. His audience is, they're, they're Jewish people, it says of the 12 tribes. But the reason he's writing them is they have been scattered. They used to be here in their homeland and they got scattered. And the reason they got scattered was because of intense persecution. 
And so they ended up going to all of these foreign places. They're under persecution. They're in difficult times. So he's not writing to a bunch of people that are like on vacation. They're living in a very difficult time and an extremely difficult time for Christians. And so that's who he's writing to. And that shows us when we get to verse 2, he's, not, he's talking about big things. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, verse 2, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And he knows that every single person he's writing to is facing trials of many kinds. Seen their homes burned, they've seen their families, in, in some cases, jailed, imprisoned, killed, tortured. They've seen, they're experiencing the persecution, and he's saying, consider it, count it. He said, look at it this way. Look at your trials as pure joy. He says, when you go through these various trials, consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing, that's the testing we're talking about, not the mouth swab thing. Consider the testing, that, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's where it comes from. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work. It gets started because of the trials. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's how he wants us to be, mature and complete and not lacking anything. And if you do lack something, he said, for instance, if you lack wisdom in the middle of all this that you're going through, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. He says, believe it. When you ask, he's going to give it to you. If you don't believe, if you doubt and you're flown back and forth, he says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. He says, you can count on God when you ask for wisdom. You can believe it, and he will do it. As I've said, I went through the book of James. I preached through the book of James and, and my computer crash of a few months ago. It's like we have a global pandemic, and that's when my computer crashes. But I have two backup drives. <laughs> they both died. <laughs> I lost decades of stuff. Uh, one of them was my, my series on James. Um, but I spent a year and a half going through it, so you're should be pretty grateful that I lost that because <laughs> this isn't going to be a year and a half. It's only going to be a few weeks. But I have loved the book of James because it's so practical. And I just like the idea that the guy that's writing this kind of knew Jesus in a way that a lot of people don't. But so we're just going to obviously hit the highlights. But who knows? You know, I know that the big thing when I was preaching through James many, many years ago was, um, where do you think we're at today? And you could see it was like, James, because <laughs> that's where we were always at. Um, but anyway, I learned a lot from it, but we're just going to hit the highlights. But in light of wanting you to know what to do when you're going through the hard seasons, because everybody in the world is doing that at the moment, going through hard seasons, how do we not waste that time? How do we not waste those seasons in your life, like our current season? And your current season might be because of all the things that are happening to everybody in the world. You might also have some other stuff that got thrown into the mix. And it's really easy to have the pity party or to complain or to badmouth something. How, how do you make the best of it going through it? How do you know what to do? So what we're going to do is today we're just going to look at three choices. A choice is something that you can do or not do. But these are three choices that you really need to make based on these verses in James. James is telling us, make these three choices. You want to get through it in the right way? Make these three choices. 
I am not in any way saying that what we're going through, what you're going through, isn't difficult or, or, or isn't tough or isn't causing trouble for you. I'm acknowledging that it is, but I'm saying that while you're going through it, regardless of how difficult it is, you have choices. You still have choices. So, meanwhile, we know the end. But what about now? What choices can we be making right now so we aren't wasting this time? So we aren't wasting this season that we're going through, whatever it is. Okay? Here's the first choice. Adjust your perspective. You have to adjust your perspective. James, he says, count it, consider it pure joy. You know, when you're going through trials of many kinds, when you face trials of many times. He didn't say you're going to get out of them. He said, consider it pure joy. You're changing the way you look at it. That's a choice that we make. I see it all the time. I see two people going through the same thing, and one of them comes out better and stronger and closer to God, and the other one crashes and burns. They're going through the same thing. It's their perspective on it. One has a different attitude about it because they have considered it or counted it differently than the other one has, okay? I see this as it means to kind of like measure your suffering. You're looking at it. You're not hiding from it. You're not saying it's not real. You're measuring it, and then you're going to do this. I'm a visual person, so I, I say, I'm either going to put it in the for my good column or I'm going to put it in the for my harm column. And if I take the stuff that I'm going through and I put it in the for my harm column, I'm going to get negative. I'm going to start bad-mouthing things. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to learn. And my trial is going to feel like it lasts longer. If I consider it joy, that means I measure it, I take it, and I put it in the for my good column because I know that's what God wants to do. That's a choice that I make. And we're making that choice because of this. There is a way bigger picture than most people see. There's an eternal picture. You're not going to get the big picture on the news. Sorry to tell you that. You're not going to get the big picture watching the news. You're going to get what sells advertisements. You're not going to get the big picture watching Facebook. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm saying don't think that that's where you're going to get the big picture because the Bible is where you're going to get the big picture. The other ones can explain all that other little stuff for you. But the big picture is an eternal picture with eternal benefits that go far beyond our immediate season of suffering. The idea of counting it joy when you're going through hard seasons is, is in tons of places in the Bible. There's just dozens of times in the Bible where it actually just says, have joy in this. It's over and over. One example is this in Luke 6. Jesus said this. What blessings await you? And I, and I want to say, oh, I want to see what follows because I want blessings to await me. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil? And I want to stop right there for a minute because there are way too many people. There are way too many Christians who would say, that describes me. People hate me. People <coughs> mock me. People exclude me. And looking from the outside, I want to say, yeah, but the verse specifically says why they're doing that. It's because you follow the Son of Man. That's Jesus. I, 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 I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this. There are some Christians 
Not all. There are some Christians. They're prideful, arrogant jerks, okay? And they live that way. And guess what? People don't like them. And they're shocked. Must be because I follow Jesus. And I say, no, it's because you're a prideful, arrogant jerk. That's why they don't like you. <laughs> and the problem is, they think that they're getting blessed because of that. Really, what they're doing is just making Jesus look bad, and they're making fewer people like them. Jesus said, people are not going to like you if you follow me, but if they don't like you because you follow me, there will be incredible blessings for you. So, I guess if you take nothing else from this, if you're a prideful, arrogant jerk, stop. And don't do that anymore. Follow Jesus. Because Jesus was not a prideful, arrogant jerk. He was the most humble person in the world. He was also the most powerful, but he was still the most humble. And when we follow him, that's what we need to be like. So he says, blessings await you if that happens to you because you follow me. When that happens, it's interesting. Here's what he says. When that happens, when, when the persecution comes, when the people look at you like that, be happy. Yes, he says, leap for joy. Same word. When those bad things happen to you, leap for joy. And here's why. Because a great reward awaits you in heaven. There's a bigger picture. If a great reward in heaven didn't await us, and you were happy in the middle of trials, not real bright. But when we see there's a bigger picture, what we're going through is small potatoes in comparison to the incredible blessing that's coming, we adjust our perspective to see the bigger picture. Yes, we're going through tough times. Yes, it's hard. Every day, we make intentional choices about how we see the hard season. That's what we do. We make that choice. So, meanwhile, while we're going through this, we adjust our perspective. And then number two, we accept the process. We accept the process. And James just says, you know, you know the testing of your faith. It produces endurance and let perseverance, or produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. He says there's this process. The problem is this is where we're stubborn. This is where we resist. This is where we rebel. Um, and we, we don't like the process because the process is painful. But here's the thing. You will never know maturity and fulfillment until you yield. Until you yield to him, until you embrace the process and realize we've got to go through it. That's, that's how it works. We have to go through it. He never said, you know, I'm going to get you around it. He said, I'll be with you when you go through it. Give you an example of this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a chef. I'm not a great cook. I'm not a cook. I can't do any of that. I can do one thing, one and a half. I can do one thing really good, and that's popcorn. Those of you who know Julie and I know that we do popcorn. And some of you are thinking, what, you like do it every week? And it's like, once, once a week, we don't have it. And the other six times, <laughs> we do. And over 30-some years of doing popcorn many times a week, I've gotten pretty good at it. I have some secrets. I'll even tell you. I didn't want to tell first service. I'll tell you. Um, in, the, in the grilling department of Walmart, they have these plastic bottles. They're like the ketchup squeeze bottles, you know, but they're, they're thicker. And 
you take the top off and you cut butter in quarters and you, you stick the butter in there, you can microwave it and you can squirt it on a popcorn. And it's like, this is better than movie theater. <laughs> and so when it's time for popcorn, I have my process. And I get that thing out. If I need to fill it with butter, I do. That's the first thing that goes in to get the butter melted at the right temperature. Um, we, have, we have evolved in 30-some years. with We've had many, many different kinds of popcorn poppers. We've tried everything. And every time I think, this is it, this is the best thing, and then it breaks or something, we have found the best thing. It's, it's a, a bowl that's made out of um, silicone. It's very flexible. You guys fold it up and put it in the, the closet. You unfold it, you put the popcorn in the bottom, and the lid sets down in it so that when the popcorn pops, the lid rises up with it. It's amazing. In fact, it's so good when our microwave died, we bought a new microwave with the number one criteria being it was tall enough to fit this thing inside it <laughs> because that's the priority. So we, finish, we make the popcorn, we have the popcorn, it's just amazing. Imagine if partway through I said, you know, I love the popcorn, I love what's going to come, but I don't like the process in the microwave. You know, the microwave comes on and it makes those things really hot. And the ones that don't pop, I discovered you can't dump the ones that don't pop into the garbage until they're cool because every one of them melts right through the bag. <laughs> it's a whole other story I could tell you, but I won't. Um, but it gets really, really hot. And what if I said, you know, I really like the popcorn, I like the butter, I like the salt, I like all that stuff, it's probably not any good for me, don't care, I've made it this far, enjoying popcorn, I'm going to keep going. But I don't like that heat, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to accept the whole process and we're going to stop before it gets hot, before it gets bad. What would I have? I'd have a bowl of popcorn seeds unpopped that you couldn't eat. There would be nothing there because there's a process. I mentioned the grilling, you know, the, the grilling thing I use for the, for the butter. Some of you, you don't do the popcorn thing, you do the grilling thing. So you got a hamburger, you make your hamburger, and you can use frozen, I don't care, but you have frozen one or you have the one that you do this with or whatever. I don't know, you probably have to have gloves and a mask on to do it now, I don't know. But you have your hamburger and you have your bun and you have your lettuce, tomato, whatever else you put on it, and you're about to put it on a grill and you realize, that's really hot. I don't like that part of the process. I think I'll skip that. And I think I'll take this meat and just put it on the bun and have it now because I'm not going to accept the process. It's not going to be as good now or later. There's going to be bad things happen when you do that because there's a process and the process is often painful. But just like we have to adjust our perspective, we have to accept the process. Because being mature and complete are outcomes of adjusting your perspective and accepting the process. They're not the only outcomes. He says um, he doesn't want us lacking in anything. And I keep thinking like infomercial. But wait, there's more. By doing God's way, Romans 5, for instance, says this. Here's what you can also have with your troubles. We also have joy with our troubles. So James is talking about he didn't say, I take your troubles away and you have joy. He said, you can have joy with your troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. I know many people have prayed for patience. Say, you might as well just say, God, could you send me some trouble? Because that's where patience comes from. Troubles produce patience. But patience produces character. 
We want character. We want good because you realize that's what you take with you into heaven is your character. And so the troubles produce patience. The patience produces the character and the character produces hope. And who can't use more hope? You say, I want more hope. Then you need more trouble. Because trouble produces patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. And out of our hard seasons can come the patience and character and hope. You see, there is tremendous benefit to adjusting your perspective so you're seeing clearly in these difficult times. And there's great benefit to accepting the process. Here's the third choice. Ask God to help because we can't do it on our own. We're going to always go the wrong direction. We ask God to help. It's a great promise from James when he says, if you're lacking, ask for wisdom and God will give it to you. Don't doubt. Believe that he can do it. And when you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Learning to lean into God in tough times is more than half the battle. Because he's the one that wins the battle anyhow. And when we try to do it on our own, it doesn't work. When we lean into him and ask for help, it works. I'm going to read some verses for you. You've probably heard the first two verses a lot. You've seen them on plaques. You've seen them all over the place. But you might not have read the two after it. In Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5, um, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. And that's where most people stop. And that's extremely good advice. But there's a, there's a thing that's called to mind in the next verse that we need to remember during this. The next verse says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. That means turn to Jesus, turn from the evil, turn to Jesus. Don't depend too heavily, don't be too impressed on your own wisdom. It says you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. That's what we're looking for to get through the hard times. That's what we want to be like when we come out the other side because it's not solely your wisdom that will get you through. Now let me say this. Having wisdom and common sense is a good thing. We have kind of a pandemic going on. We also have an epidemic in America. There seems to be very little wisdom or common sense. I don't know where it's going. It's disappearing. It's good to have wisdom. It's good to have common sense. If you don't, you're not only going to have trouble in life, you'll be source of many sermon illustrations for me and probably source of, of comedic relief for many of the people around you if you don't have wisdom and common sense. But here's the thing. Um, the writer of the Proverbs remind us, don't be too impressed with your own wisdom. Do you need to have it? Yeah, but don't be too impressed with it because it's probably going to get you in trouble. So what we need to do is we need to ask for God's wisdom all the time, but especially during hard seasons. Here's, here's what Jesus said about asking, okay? And we can apply this directly to asking for wisdom. In Luke 11, Jesus said this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and a door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks a door will be opened. Now remember, that doesn't mean anything. I need a new car. You know, I'm going to ask for a new car. I didn't get a new car. So I don't believe Jesus. This is talking about, read the context, it's asking for things that are according to his will. And in James, he says, guess what? If you ask for wisdom and you believe, you'll get it. That means when I put that with what Jesus said here, if I need wisdom as I'm going through my trial and I ask for it, he'll give it to me. I'll have it. 
We're going through a hard season. The whole world is. So what happens next? We're all going to get tested. That's what this is. It's all a big test. And at the end of this season, you may be stronger than ever. Or you might be exactly where you were before you started. Remember last week? All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given us. It's all about these three choices, how you come out the other side. Are you adjusting your perspective? Are you accepting the process? Are you asking God for help? Maybe you, you've stepped across that line and you believe Jesus. You've accepted him as your savior. And you realize I'm going through this difficult time and I've been complaining a little bit too much or I've been blaming other people or I've been doing whatever, but it hasn't been helping me to become the person that God wants me to be. I need to adjust my perspective. I need to accept this process that I'm going through because God doesn't promise you that, that everything, like last week I said, will be unicorns and rainbows. Everything's great. It doesn't work that way. We have to accept the process and then ask God for help. Maybe you're, you're following Jesus, but you realize, yeah, I just I kind of haven't been doing that. That's where I need to take my steps this week. But maybe you don't have that relationship with God through Jesus yet. Maybe to you it's for, this is a foreign thing we're talking about because you don't have that intimate personal relationship where I could actually talk to God and ask him something because I have a relationship with him through Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Today is your day to lean into God and receive Jesus and say, God, I kind of know about you. I know about the religion thing, but it's kind of been about rules and regulations and rituals and it hasn't been this intimate personal relationship I'm coming up this week on an anniversary a personal anniversary for me um, I have watched God grow me for 45 years through the meanwhiles of life I am nowhere near there yet just ask my family They'd be happy to tell you but here's the thing I'm closer than I was Wednesday it was Wednesday on July 2nd in 1975 when I was 18, and some of you are doing the math and figuring out how old I am. I don't care. <laughs> that was the day I made my choice. That was the day God said to me, are you done? Are you done doing it your way? Because as you've seen, your way doesn't work very well. And it will not only work bad here, it won't get you where you want to go in eternity. Are you done playing? Are you done with the phoniness? Are you done with the masks? Are you done with all that? And are you going to choose me? And I remember there was 300 kids in this, like, chapel was in a camp, screen windows, you know, screen doors, breezes blowing through, mosquitoes. And I swear, I remember exactly that it was me and God in that room. That was it. And he's saying, well, yes or no. And I remember realizing that when I made that choice, it would change my life. It would change it in many, many ways. I remember thinking, I'm going to lose friends. And you know what? I lost friends. But what I gained was far more than I could have ever imagined. And that was my day that I made that choice with Jesus, and that will have ramifications and echo throughout all eternity. It's changed me radically for the last 45 years. It will change me throughout all eternity because I get to spend eternity 
with God in heaven because I made the choice to follow Jesus. That was my day. This could be your day. This could be the day that you say, I'm tired of being a phony. I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of pretending. I'm choosing Jesus today. I'd like you to bow your heads as we get ready to close in prayer. Father, I know that there's a lot of people, they, they know about you, but they don't know you. They haven't come to know you personally. They're still checking out your claims. I pray that as they hear you whispering in their ear today, this is why I had you do this today, so that you could hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. And by believing that he came and lived and died for them, that he rose again for them, and that he wants them to have a relationship with him so that he can come back for them one day. Forgiving their past, giving them meaning and purpose in life today, and a living hope for the future. My prayer, Father, is anybody who hasn't stepped across that line yet would today say to Jesus, I don't understand it all. I just, I remember, Father, 45 years ago not understanding much, but understanding that you loved me and understanding that you died for me and you wanted me to accept you as my Savior and that when I did that, it changed my, my eternity as well as my life. And I pray that in simple faith, anybody struggling with that today would just lean into you and say, yes, I'm giving as much of myself as I understand today to as much of you as I understand today, God, and I'm saying yes. I believe that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for me, and I'm receiving him as my Savior. And Father, for those who have already stepped across that line, help us to make the right choices during these difficult times so that we can come out stronger on the other end. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
45 years ago this week, he was a prison-shaken savior for me. He broke chains and has been continuing to do that. I have watched him be faithful. I have watched him through all of the difficult times never leave me, ever. And through those times, when I adjust my perspective, when I accept the process and call out to him for help and wisdom, he brings me out the other side stronger every single time. That's what he wants to do for you. I am very glad that we're in the process of being able to come back and do in-person things together. I'm also extremely glad that through this process we've learned some things that have been able to keep us online and live stream so all those who can't come are still able to be a part of it. And that's an exciting thing. God is doing stuff all over the world through this and in ways and places that, that three and a half months ago nobody dreamed of. It's just so exciting to see. So keep checking iloveourchurch.com or journeyinourchurch.com, the same place, um, for updates just in case, I was going to say in case it gets weird. Um, it's all, that ship has sailed. <laughs> in case it gets weirder or in case something changes, um, keep checking and we'll keep that on there. Remember, if everything all goes crazy, hopefully the default will still be online. You can still do that, but we're just trust that things are moving in the right direction. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us enough to send Jesus to live for us, to die for us, to, to be raised from the dead for us. And for those who have that personal relationship within, with him, we can look forward to the fact that one day he's coming back for us. Father, that's so exciting. We thank you for that. And my prayer is that those who don't know you today would listen to you as you're whispering to them, and their answer and response to you today would be yes. Not, I know everything, or I, I understand everything, or I need to understand everything, but their answer to you today would simply be yes. Father, thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.